Hello, and welcome to the Well-Spoken Podcast, where transformational leaders explore the mindsets, motivations, and methodologies of impact-driven businesses. I am your host, Dr. Delray Messer, doctor of chiropractic, social impact entrepreneur, mom of two, and a go-giver, empowering you through the stories of leaders who dare to challenge the status quo and collaborate to co-create an equitable and sustainable future together. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Well-Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delray Messer. Well-Spoken Podcast is where transformational leaders explore the mindsets, motivations, and methodologies of impact-driven businesses. I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Ellen, and she is um, an incredible human. I had a chance to meet her, and we had a great connecting conversation, and I was just really empowered by her story and her desire to help. Um, She followed up immediately with me um, after we had a chance to meet with some helpful tips, and I just am going to introduce her with a little bit of her bio here, and we're going to deep dive into some questions. So Ellen is VP Digital and e-commerce, vice president of digital and e-commerce of EOS products, known for his iconic lip balm and cult favorite shave cream. I have to say I am a huge fan and a raving customer. (laughs) Um, EOS is a beauty and skincare brand that aims to turn the everyday into refreshing moments of awesome. Most recently, Ellen was assistant vice president digital and e-commerce of uh, L'Oreal USA, managing e-commerce businesses within their luxury and consumer products division. Prior to joining L'Oreal USA, um, Ellen held various positions in the consumer goods industry in merchandising and financial planning and analysis. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Economics from Case Western Reserve University. Um, Ellen, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, well, we're kicking off Women's History Month, and I chose to interview some of my favorite women that I had the chance to meet, but don't yet quite know intimately. Um, so I'm excited for you to share your story with us. Town in Ohio called Lima, Ohio, which I'm not sure if you knew this about me. I did not. <laughs> um, so I I grew up in a small town, um, though I have been living in New York City for almost 12 years. Um, so I think, you know, growing up and even through college, um, you know, I would have never in my wildest dreams, like expected to be living in New York City. I, um, you know, I kind of ended up here on a whim. Um, so it was my mid to late 20s. I was, um, you know, looking for a change in in terms of where I was living, career opportunities, um, you know, had been kind of in a relationship that I had wanted to um, you know, get out of. And I, on a whim, accepted a job in, um, you know, in New York, moved here, fell in love with the city, met my husband here, um, had two children here, um, you know, and haven't left. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a ride. Um, for most of my professional career, I have been, um, I was working at L'Oreal. So, Uh, a big beauty brand in New York, um, mostly building digital businesses. So within the last, you know, 10 years, a lot within like the digital space has changed. So that's been, um, you know, that's been really exciting. Um, And, you know, I'm just, I I feel like I'm, I'm excited to see like, you know, what the, what the future has to hold. 
That's so exciting. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, kicking off Women's History Month, I always love to ask who have been influential women in your life, maybe even every day, you know, heroes to really influential women. Who do you find inspiration from? So I I would have to say my mother. Um, And the reason being, she, I feel like growing up, my mother did everything. She worked, she was a nurse. Most days she was at work before I woke up. Um, and she also did everything with, um, me and my siblings and she volunteered for field trips at school. She, you know, she did everything and she never made it seem like, you know, anything was extra work. And, you know, I think being a mother now, um, you know, I struggle with that because it's a lot. And, um, you know, so I think just women who do it all amaze me. And, um, you know, I think I, I had that growing up with my mother. So um, especially being a mom now that, you know, that's really close to home. I can relate to that. I'm the oldest of four siblings. My mom uh, was, uh, well, stay-at-home mom on a farm, so not really just that role. She did everything as well. Mm -hmm. She was milking cows and out in the field to doing all of it for us um, too. And I really struggled being a new mom, comparing myself to her being able to do it all and me feeling like I was barely surviving and keeping Mm -hmm. up. Um, And she really, uh, I believe, empowered me in her character traits of empathy and compassion and volunteerism. She was always um, volunteering and taking us along with her. We didn't know why (laughs) at younger ages, we were doing a lot of what we did with her. And I realized uh, just like you, when I became a mom, the reflection of what it takes to, you know, do well in that role and do it all, you know, I have so much gratitude for it as well. So thank you for sharing. Uh, You have extensive experience in the beauty and e-commerce industry. And I'm curious, what has inspired you about the beauty industry and what has been a challenge? So as you navigate this ever-growing and ever-evolving beauty industry, especially being a mom, um, I'm curious what some of your challenges and um, wins have been. Yes. So, um, you know, I think what what really inspires me about the beauty industry is is the power of brands. And I think this is not only in the beauty industry, but it, you know, it, it can span other industries as well. But especially working at L'Oreal, um, where, you know, they have some of the most iconic brands um, in the world, like L'Oreal Paris and Maybelline and Lancome and you know, just working on those brands and, you know, bringing them, they've been around, um, you know, forever and just being able to like leave my fingerprints on the brands, working on them, you know, for a point in time, but also just seeing how they evolve over time. Um, you know, I think that's, that's been really inspiring to me. Also, um, L'Oreal also owns a lot of smaller independent beauty brands. And, um, you know, during the years when I worked there, I loved hearing the founder stories of some of these, you know, smaller brands. I think, um, you know, founders are amazing. They're, they're stories of, you know, how and why they, they have started their brands and just, you know, the, the persistence and time and everything that goes into it is just, 
you know, I just, I, I just love their stories. So, so those are the, some of the things that have inspired me over, you know, over that time. And in terms of challenges, you know, specifically for what, um, you know, the area that I work in, which is mostly digital, digital marketing, e-commerce, you know, I would, I would say the biggest challenge is cutting through the clutter of every, you know, of everything that's going on, whether it is, you know, you get so many emails every day, right, from brands, but it's cutting through the clutter. Like, how do we leave, like, a memorable moment with you? Um, you know, why why should you shop, you know, a specific brand? Um, so I think that cutting through the clutter along with, you know, being memorable and that is, a challenge. I'm curious because, you know, you said something that really resonates with me. I believe we have more conscious consumers now than ever before. And Mm -hmm. consumers are looking for brands that have a story behind them. And it's not just about it looking pretty anymore, the right message. It's really the transparency and exactly what you said, the story behind the brand. But what are some of the other facets that you believe customers are looking for right now, especially, like you said, being inundated with so much marketing, Mm -hmm. Um, social media, email. I mean, it's just constant. Um, I know what I look for, but I'm just curious what you've seen is, you know, trending for Mm -hmm. consumers in the digital space. Yes. I think authenticity is at the core, right? So it's, you know, there are many like niches, whether it's you're looking for, you know, clean beauty or you're looking for, like a fashion, like a very trendy, like fashion forward um, brand or more of like an artistry brand. Um, But I think authenticity, like, again, like what, what you say you are, what you say you're doing it, is that really like, you know, are you, are you walking the talk? Um, So I think that's really what's at the core of it. Completely agree. I think we know the difference now between companies that can say something with a checkmark box and others mm-hmm. that are really doing the work to become, you know, I know sustainability is huge right now. Talking about that and what consumers are demanding, um, we want to ensure that companies are putting people and the planet before profit. And I think the customer experience and high touch customer experiences are really powerful. And with the challenge of so much marketing coming at us, I think the brands that are going to differentiate themselves are the ones that can not only communicate authentically, but follow up with those touch points of customer service excellence. I know for me to be loyal to a brand, it's not just when things go well, it's when there's a challenge and it's resolved and it's resolved with grace and intention. And that has been one of the reasons why I'm so loyal to so many brands with those stories. So thank you for sharing. And in your current role, um, you made a a bit of a transition, I believe. And Mm -hmm. if I'm correct, it was um, because you felt like you needed to prioritize different things in your life. Uh, Can you share the decision-making process of why you chose to transition and, you know, how you made that decision. There's so many women that struggle mm-hmm. with finding work-life well-being and integration. And oftentimes in in roles, um, especially current roles with 
with uh, this stirring of our soul, knowing we want to pivot or transition. Sometimes there's the concept of golden handcuffs. We get paid a lot of money in our current role, and it would be taking a pay cut to to shift or pivot. Um, there's so many different facets to why we stay where we're at, we're comfortable, or you know, we we tolerate a lot. And sometimes it just takes a lot of bravery to make those decisions. So it mm-hmm. inspired me when you said you prioritized. Um, your family for your career um, shift. Can you share a little bit more of insight on your decision-making process? Yes, absolutely. So um, after I had my second child during COVID, um, I did I did not feel like I could go back to, to L'Oreal and continue to work in the same capacity that I had been um, prior. And I know that a lot of things, you know, changed during COVID. I was traveling a lot, you know, before COVID, you know, wasn't sure what that was going to look like post-COVID, but L'Oreal did bring all of our New York-based office employees back pretty quickly. It was in the summer of 2020. So that was much faster than a lot of other companies returned to the office. After I had my daughter, you know, and this is something that I feel like I had discussed with my husband, you know, ongoing, even after I had our first child, and, you know, whether I could keep up with, you know, just the, the ways of working, you know, at, at L'Oreal, it's a very in-office culture, a lot of time, long hours, long days. And so it was something that I think that was, you know, the, the second child and then also being home, you know, for so long during COVID and kind of understand it and seeing firsthand, like what more flexibility would look like, even though I felt like a lot of us were, were working even longer hours there for a while during, you know, the start of, of COVID. But, you know, it was, it was just really a exercise of, of thinking like how, you know, how much time do I want, do I want to spend at home? Um, and the, and doing the things that I enjoy with my children in my family, we love cooking. We love eating meals together before COVID. I wouldn't eat dinner with my son because I was still at work. He would eat early. I would come home, bathe him, put him to bed. But I think during COVID, we all got used to you know, eating meals together with as a family. So, you know, just thinking about even little things like that and the the time spent in the morning, even popping in during the day and seeing them, even though, you know, I, I was working during COVID, but was still at home. Like, it's really nice to still be able to check in, you know, and, and see your children throughout the day. So I decided to make the move. I had, um, you know, started research at smaller companies. And at that point in time, I wasn't really sure, you know, what the level of flexibility was, you know, so I think as I started, started my search and, you know, started to kind of get a feel for what the level of flexibility was, um, you know, I was able to identify an opportunity where, where I had that. And so, um, you know, currently I go into the office two days a week. I work from home three three days a week. I'm able to most days walk my kids to school, which is, which is wonderful as well. Um, You know, be here in time for dinner. Um, If there's a school meeting or a field trip, you know, I have much more control over my, my schedule and my calendar to work those types of things in. And, you know, I just think like our kids are only little for so long, like, you know, I don't want to miss out on those moments now. And, you know, we can always make changes about where we're working and what we're doing. And for me, it's just really important to, 
you know, to be more accessible right now. I love that. Thank you. Would you say that your value of family really drove you to make that decision and say, I'm yes. Yes. What would you say your top three values are besides family? Do you have other? Um, I, I kind of group them together, like adventure, travel, fun, you know, I kind of group all of those together. And then, you know, lastly, I would say learning and just continuous improvement and self-growth. I love. I that. would say those are probably my top three. Incredible. And with your new role, uh, with your new career, did you feel confident right away? Do you feel confident in your role there right now? It's taken a while. You know, the biggest challenge was starting a new, a new job remotely, like, not being in person and just physically connecting with a new boss and like my, you know, peers, I hired a team of five people remotely that like I had never met in person only over zoom. So that was a challenge, but, um, (laughs) so the biggest challenge for me was, um, not physically being there. And it's funny because you know, we're talking about like flexibility and the ability to work remotely, but at the same time, it does create challenges. But I think, you know, the the hybrid schedule that we have now is, you know, it de- it's definitely helping with that challenge, but it's just, you know, it's something that I wasn't used to before. So it was just a new skill that we have to develop. Absolutely. Do you have any tips or favorite ways that you engage your team virtually? I think being camera on is important. Like a lot of companies and, you know, just even meetings that I have with agencies or outside vendors, you know, people don't always put their camera on. And I think that, you know, that definitely helps, but I, I think it is, it is a challenge. I think over, over communication is always better. Like frequent meetings, like I'm a big fan of a 10 minute all hands meeting where everybody joins and, you know, at least just like checks in, updates everyone with what they're working on. It's much harder to connect in a virtual world. Um, and there's just a learning curve. <laughs> Absolutely. Completely agree. Uh, curious, has imposter syndrome ever affected you? Yes. When I felt like I was, you know, feeling it the strongest, I would say would be in, you know, my early days at L'Oreal. You know, during that time, a lot of senior level executives and roles were filled by either French people that were, um, you know, here from um, abroad. There weren't a lot of, you know, there weren't a lot of people like me, right, in in roles, um, you know, in roles at L'Oreal. And so I think, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, am I am I going to be able to continue to grow my career here? why did they hire me in the first place? You know, just like a lot of those types of questions. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's really tough. And, um, you know, I think I, I, I feel like when I feel that now, I, you know, I try to, you know, I try to be humble and recognize that there are a lot of people that, you know, could do my job and could probably do my job better than I can. But like, there is some reason why I was chosen for the job, right? You know, and just try to remember, 
your other other strengths that you have. And and I think too, I remember like back to the time, like in my early days at L'Oreal, I remember when my mom and my aunt were in New York for their birthdays and I had dinner with them. And I was telling them, you know, I, you know, I love working at L'Oreal. Like I, you know, I want to be like a, a VP of marketing one day. And, 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 you know, my aunt was like, well, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be. And I was just like, really? Like, you know, I think just like having, you know, having just kind of like other, you know, other opinions and just seeing yourself in ways that other people see you sometimes, I think, um, you know, is refreshing. It um, is. Absolutely. But yeah, it's, I mean, especially as women, I think a lot of women, um, you know, undershoot their, you know, what their abilities and, um, you know, I, I think it, uh, it affects a lot of women. Agreed. And the, the pressures on working women are real. We've mentioned that. So how do you practice self-care? So, um, so this quick story. So during COVID, I listened to this webinar from a coach who she, she coached like professional athletes and Olympians. And she was talking about, you know, the importance of, of course, like taking care of yourself, like prioritizing sleep, like eating well. But one of the things that she was talking about that really resonated with me was creating this like love list of things that like you love to do that energizes you and fills your cup. And so I remember like during, you know, during this webinar, I created my, my love list and I was like, I, I love this idea. And, you know, it's just even things like, I love taking my dog for a walk because like it make he's so happy when I take him for a walk. And, you know, it's like, if it's a nice day the you know, the sun on your face and, you know, just being outside the fresh air and moving your body. And, you know, that's just like one example, but even recently, since I've been, um, I'm on this hybrid work schedule, I love to go out to breakfast or lunch by myself. <laughs> so that's one thing where, you know, I'll just go somewhere in my neighborhood, but, you know, sit down. I usually take my laptop with me, but it's, you know, just even, you know, something like that and having like a, a, a good cup of coffee or, but so, you know, it's this like, you know, list of things that, you know, that I enjoy that I try to like pepper in throughout my week just to, you know, to do things that um, I enjoy. I love that. It's intention. You're setting an intention. Exactly. I think when life gets so busy between work and our families, sometimes we can spend a long time searching for joy. And I think Mm -hmm. creating a love list like that is intentionally seeking moments of joy and especially in Mm -hmm. solitude. And I think a lot of times as working women, we can lose ourselves in the identity of our career and our role as a mom and often forget that we are also on this planet for a beautiful, expansive and evolving journey of our own. So Mm -hmm. I love that tip. I'm going to do it right after this episode. (laughs) I love it. And I found over COVID that it was actually very small, meaningful moments that brought me a lot of joy as well. It was like for the first time I was, I slowed down long enough 
to be intentional about those moments and to realize my own self-care was absolutely essential to be able to give and serve from a full cup. So I hope more women take that advice um, because we know mental health and emotional well-being um, is essential. Burnout and exhaustion were two of the top reasons that a lot of women and especially executive women left the workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, They're tired. And I think now corporations and companies are starting to see it's essential for us to um, prioritize self-care. So thank you for sharing. Um, I'm curious what kind of personal and professional challenges or failures have really shaped you uh, as a working woman, you've accomplished a lot. You have a lot of achievements at a young age. And I'm just curious, um, you know, how do you, first of all, define failure? And what were some of the failures that have really shaped who you are? I try, I try not to frame them as failures. Um, I, you know, one, one that comes to mind. So I was, um, I, I was in a role for a short period of time at L'Oreal and I quickly knew it was not the right fit. I had, I tried my best to really embrace it and at least to make the best out of it because I do really feel like, it, you know, I, I try to look for those moments where like there's, there's something for me to learn here. What, what is it? Even if it is not where I wanted to be or what I wanted to be doing, like, what can I learn from this? I feel like there, there always is something. Um, but I was, I was not good at it. I'll tell you that. Um, I did not feel like I was thriving. I went to our HR department and I was just like, look, like this, this isn't working. Like we have to make a change that I feel like I'm, you know, I'm not contributing in, you know, the, you know, the best way that I can here to the organization. And, you know, I made a mistake in taking this, taking this job. So I was, I was in that specific role for six months. I pivoted out of it. Mm -hmm. I just think that I try, um, you know, from that experience, like I, I don't, I didn't want to be scared to try something new again because I felt like I failed in that role. Um, because I still think it's important like to try new things, but that just, you know, I tried it. It didn't work. And, you know, I think I made a change, you know, and I think that's, that's one thing that I feel like, um, you know, especially like at the point in my life when I was graduating from college, like I felt like this idea that I had to have like my whole career and my future like fully baked and laid out. And like I had to tell people what I wanted to do. And I, I, it gave me a lot of anxiety because I'm like, well, what if I change my mind? Like, is it not okay to change my mind? And I, and I think that's one thing, like now that I realize in my life, like, especially people now have so many paths that they take with their career, right? They make so many changes and um, you don't have to know everything, like, and it's okay to change your mind. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, that's one thing that I, you know, I've learned and like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to say like, like that was not for me, you know, I tried it, but it didn't work. So, you know, we're going to try something else. You know, I feel like L'Oreal, the, um, the environment is, um, you know, it is very like test and learn. 
um, paired. So I feel like that, that was helpful there. Like it may be harder in other companies, but, um, you know, I was thankful that I was able to like quickly pivot and make a change. I love that. I think that will be refreshing and relieving to a lot of listeners because even my 19 year old daughter, she said, I have so much pressure on me to figure out what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And it's overwhelming and it's stressful. She has so much anxiety about it. And many Mm -hmm. of her peer peer group feel the same way. And I think the world has shifted and evolved for all of us to be able to really develop skill sets and evolve in our careers. Mm -hmm. And it's so inspiring to know that another woman like myself, I've made many pivots in my entrepreneurial journey. But what I found is I started to identify my strengths and skill sets through each one of those experiences and took something with me to the next. And I think our world, because of how quickly it's evolving and changing, adaptability is going Mm -hmm. to be essential. And your mindset as a growth mindset and as a transformational leader, I consider you a transformational leader with what you have accomplished, but most importantly, the mindset that you have, because it's really what it takes to innovate and evolve and the humility that you had to be able to say, oh, something not something not right here. I don't feel I can make the biggest impact with my skill sets here in this role, but what else mm-hmm. do we have for me? That is so powerful and so empowering, I think, to so many people that feel stuck and paralyzed and don't know what to do next, or again, have a lot of limiting beliefs that I need to hold on to this for these many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we just, I think we're living in a time right now where there are so many options, which is exciting. Curious, what advice would you give your younger self? So I, I think just building on like what, what we talked about, like, I think you, you don't have to have all the answers. I think that um, you you should know like where to go for answers. You should know that you have a lot of resources to tap into, like whether it's um, you know individuals or resources with your um, you know where wherever you are in terms of like education in your life. Um, but it's like utilize your resources. Like no one has the answers. Um, you know, it's, it's a journey. Um, you can always change your mind. And, um, you know, I, I think that's really like, that's really like the culmination of, you know, kind of the, the past conversation that we were having. Absolutely. Thank you. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? I think just with it being like Women's History Month, um, you know, I think just, um, you know, a shout out to like all of the working mothers because it is, you know, it is so hard. And, you know, I think especially like, you know, still kind of coming, you know, coming off the, of the pandemic with everything being, you know, still a little different. I think just taking it like day by day and, you know, taking like the next logical step and not trying to like think too far out. Um, I know, especially as a new mom, that that was harder for me when I would try to look at like shorter periods of time and just, you know, think about think about time in that way, it was much easier to, um, you know, process and continue to move forward. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think just like, 
Yeah, just a shout out to all of the working moms because it is so hard. (laughs) It is. I completely agree. And that was my intention for creating this podcast. I never pictured myself in this role, to be honest. I just didn't feel I had enough experience. Um, and I, I, my why became amplified and it, it, it expanded, especially over COVID because I, all the conversations that I have come back to these principles that so many women are struggling with. And I thought, you know, there's nothing better than sharing a powerful story of another woman who's actually doing it and being able to glean just a little bit of wisdom from each one of these episodes and then building a community around that. And mentorship is something that I am so passionate about. I believe it's Mm -hmm. such a powerful accelerator to um, fulfillment and joy in life. If you can really find, you know, mentors that are willing, like you said, to give you that kind of space to learn from their experience, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being a part of our well-spoken community. You are extremely well-spoken and incredible. And um, I'm just so grateful for your wisdom and um, for your bravery. It takes a lot of courage to be able to continue to, like I said, pivot over time and in your career. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Well, that concludes another episode of Well-Spoken Podcast. Remember, stay open, curious, and think abundantly to co-create a better future together.